I want you to stand to your feet. We honor the reading of God's word. I've got a good word for you today. I'm going to be sharing out of Judges. It's in the Old Testament. If you have the Bible app, the Version Bible app, you'll see this service under events. And uh, all my notes, all my scriptures, I think today's going to really be a blessing. We're going to call people higher. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 2. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 7. Reading out of the New King James today. I think it's on the screen for those who would like that. Uh, It says this. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Who had seen the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died when he was 110 years old. When they buried him and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah-Heres on the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work he had done for Israel. Oh my, God's going to help us. God's going to help us to avoid some of the, I love the fact that the Bible doesn't just include all the good testimonies in them, but it also shares some of the places they missed it. And I believe that's there so God can help us to not walk down some of the same wrong roads. He's going to help us navigate rightly. Now, let's pray and let's ask for an anointing to be on this time together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction, it's rebuke where we need it, it's encouragement in the perfect timing. And so, Lord, I pray for an anointing to be released all across this room. Come on, church, help me pray. If you pray with your spirit, you lift your voice. If you pray with your understanding, pray that God would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come to pour out your spirit. Release an anointing, God, that we would, Lord, have eyes to see and ears that hear, a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, O Lord, for an anointing to be upon me as it was upon Jesus to preach your word with authority, Almighty God. And I rebuke the enemy, he who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse, or uproot your word as it comes forward. Lord, give us liberty in receiving your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. And every Everybody say, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love Father's Day, not only because I am a father, uh, and I have a great stepfather. I didn't grow up with my dad, but I have a wonderful step, and he just just messaged me while I was sitting there, uh, happy Father's Day, son, and encouraged me to go on a motorcycle ride, so... Uh, maybe I got to do that. I don't know. But, uh, but I am blessed to have a good father. But Father's Day also carries a, a point of significance for me because my spiritual father, I have the joy after I got saved of getting connected with a great evangelist, a great revivalist named Steve Hill. Some of you will know that name. Some of you have no idea, and that's fine. But just to give you a glimpse of what happened on Father's Day of 1995, This evangelist shows up and preaches in a church in Florida for Pastor John Kilpatrick. 
And on that day, he's preaching the gospel, and the pastor kind of jokes about it. He says, you know, the sermon wasn't even that great. I don't even remember. It was nothing to write home about, but uh, then the heavens opened. Then the heavens opened. As they began to move into this place of prayer, the power of God fell in that place in a mighty way. The pastor, you can find videos of this online. The pastor was standing kind of here in relation to the stage when like lightning from heaven hits him. He goes back and he was out for some five, six hours before he was even able to get up. That sparked Father's Day 1995, a move of God that went on for the next nearly six years. Every night, gathering together, millions, they, they estimate somewhere between four and six million people from all around the world came into a little church in Brownsville, Florida. Hundreds of thousands born again. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the things that God did. Absolutely incredible. But I'll never forget the pastor. When the pastor knew that God was doing something unique. You see, you can have people who are hungry and know how to receive from the Lord. But when he knew something special was happening was when a group of kids came in. The parents had been in the, the prayer ministry for hours by that point in time. Glory was going on. They just never even dismissed the service. So finally they're like, let's get the kids, uh, you know, relieve the kids' workers. Hallelujah. And so they, they let the kids come into the service. And as soon as the children came in, they begin to weep. They begin to feel... Kids don't fake it, man. Kids will be the first ones to call you out. I don't believe that. But the kids began to feel in the sense. The kids were getting touched by the Holy Ghost. And, and they share a story about a moment where they joined hands in a circle. And Steve Hill goes over and says, fire. And he watches all of these children go out under the power of God. But then... As they're laying on their back, they're looking up at the ceiling and they see, Mom, Dad, I see angels holding hands all around the circle of the, of the building. I see angels holding hands around the ceiling right now. And that's when those leaders knew God is doing something so special in this time. God is doing something. So I'm a student of revival. And I contend for a move of God. I, I, don't, I don't typically pray, God, do that again, even though I'd love to have moments like that. But I know God, his desire is for glory to glory. He wants to do even more than what we've seen in times past, greater than what we've experienced. Oh, my. And so I look at this, and there's some telltale signs about revival. I want you to know this. You read about any revival in Scripture or any revival all throughout history, you'll notice a couple things. You'll notice that there's, a, there's the preaching of the Word and the response. Man, sinners getting right with God. People coming to Jesus in droves. It's easy to get born again. People swept into the kingdom of God. Oh, it's awesome. You'll see so often how miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, dramatic manifestations of the presence and power of God, glory clouds coming into places, limbs growing back. I mean, eyeballs popping back in people's sockets. I mean, I just like, oh. Do you want to see stuff like that? I want to see some stuff like that. I look at that. Oh, my goodness. And, and you just, so many markers of revival. You'll watch that these churches that are dead, 
20 people gathering together, all of a sudden just explodes and thousands are coming together. You realize when Titus Cohen saw that revival hit the big island, he had about 30 people that were with him. And within just a couple years, there were more than 20,000 people who were committed to the body of Christ. An explosion, an explosion of revival happened right here on this island. The largest church on the planet during that time. Right here. That anointing is still in the ground. Hallelujah. But one of the things that I don't often hear people preach about I hear about the miracles, I hear about the gospel, I hear about people surrendering. But one of the elements you will see consistently with revival in Scripture and in practice, we see it in history, is there is always legacy. There's always the impact of the next generation. You'll always see young people being activated to do incredible things for the Lord. You'll see children getting touched by the power of God. You'll always see this element where the Spirit of God just doesn't just highlight the hungry adults, but no, it begins to impact young people, and they're changed forever. But you look, this is all throughout the Bible. The last prophetic word in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. It talks about this fiery revival. And it's almost the whole chapter, so I'm not going to read it all, but I'll give you the bullet points. It talks about this fiery revival that is going to come. It says that the proud will be humbled, but then the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. It's going to be a healing revival where Jesus Himself is lifted up. Then it says wickedness will fall, but the word of God will rise. But something very powerful, and maybe you've heard this before, it says the hearts of the fathers will turn to children, and the hearts of children will turn to fathers. What does Acts chapter 2 say? We quote this all the time. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And what's the first group that he mentions? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Everybody say sons and daughters. So hear me on this. This is the point of me uh, emphasizing all of this. I believe we are in the beginning stages of a mighty revival. I believe that we're beginning to see the trickle of the Holy Spirit. That's the only reason. If you guys don't know, this church has grown like this in less than three years. And that's not because I'm so brilliant, I'm just telling you. It's not because my wife is so anointed, even though she is. This only happens because God himself is breathing upon his people. That's only a reason. But if we are going to be faithful stewards of what God is pouring out here, we must learn to pour into our legacy, the next generation. Joshua, he missed something. Because his generation, they were gathered, the Bible says, to their fathers. They were gathered to their fathers. As long as Joshua, as long as those elders were there, those who had seen what Moses did with, 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 with God, when they had experienced, when they knew who God was, 
They, you watch this. They knew God. They knew his works. They knew how the Lord had used Moses. But there arose a generation who had not seen, who did not know. And when they rose up, when these elders and leaders were gathered to their fathers, everybody else fell away. And my question is, where were the next generation of fathers to rise up and to host and to teach and to instruct? Now, I want you to hear me on this. My wife made a great point. I know we got single moms here today. I know we have fathers. Maybe you don't, your kids aren't in the picture or whatever it may be. Maybe that's before your time. I want you to know even before I begin to dive in this, the points that I share and the emphasis I make, it is for fathers. It is for fathers, but it is also for those who would desire, I need to take some spiritual sons and some spiritual daughters under my wing. There are individuals who are here, and it's not just for fathers, but I need some mamas to rise up as well. And just like she's talking about, I don't have a, I don't have a mom in my life. Well, I'll be a mom to you. I'll be a mom to you. And someone messaged, she's probably watching me online, Cassidy. She messages me, happy Father's Day, Pastor Jacob. It's a daughter to me. It's a daughter to me. We need some men and women of God who are willing to take these who have lost their parents, who are abandoned by their parents, who never had this growing up, and I'll be a father to you. I'll be a mother to you. Hallelujah. That's how we're going to host. That's how we're going to host the move of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So one thing that you'll notice about this, uh, uh, something was, was lost in the process. Does anybody know who Joshua's spiritual father was? Moses. Everybody say Moses. That's a pretty good spiritual father to have, I'll just say. Uh, that's a, I, I'd like to be mentored by Moses, but uh, praise God through the word I attempt to be. But Moses did some things right. And what I want to learn, you'll notice that there were three statements that are made throughout our text today in Judges. Um, and you'll notice that Moses did these things right, but apparently the next generation did not. And so, friend, my desire is that uh, there's going to be a day. Pastor Jacob is dead and gone. But by the grace of God, the ministry, the church in Kona is going to continue because it doesn't end with me. There's going to be spiritual sons and daughters, and there's going to be spiritual grandbabies and great-grandbabies who keep this thing going until Jesus himself comes back. Whether you end up here in Kona for a long time, some of you missionaries, you're getting ready to launch out, you're going to start churches and ministries overseas, do it with legacy in mind. You're going to see the glory of God, but you're going to pour yourself into sons and daughters so that the day you go to meet Jesus or you move on to your next assignment, that work will continue because you've reproduced yourself in the next generation. Are you with me so far? Okay, so look at this. Um, Verse 7 says, the people serve the Lord, this is Judges chapter 2, the people serve the Lord all the days of Joshua, the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works of the Lord he had done for Israel. But everybody say, they had seen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one. We must be intentional to disciple 
sons and daughters. Number one, disciple sons and daughters. Disciple sons and daughters. Everybody say disciple. This is very important. They'll say, what does that have to do with discipleship, Pastor Jacob? Well, what I want you to understand is so much of discipleship is simply in watching. It's in watching. My spiritual father, he'd have moments. We'd be in a prayer time. He'd be like, Jacob, come here. And I'd just, I'd run over there and I'd stand by him and I'd wait for further instruction. Is he going to tell me to do something? Does he want me to pray? Does he, you know, what does he want? Do I need to catch for him? I don't, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I would ask him later on, like, do you want me doing anything when you call for me? And I just want you to watch me. I want you to watch how I minister. I want you to see the things that I do. And I'm telling you, watching that man of God, watching, why did you pray this way instead of that way? I watched you do it this way over here, but over here it was, it was different. So much I learned. So like DJ comes to me the other day, yesterday, and he's like, Pastor Jacob, when I'm with you in the altars, what do you, do you want me praying with you? Do you want me catching? And I'm like, I just want you to watch. I just want you to watch. This is a young man whom God is going to do similar things in his life that he's done. And so he's, he's pursued me as a son to a father. And uh, you know what? One day, Pastor Jacob's going to be dead, but there's going to be guys like DJ who are still walking in the same anointing, in the same calling. Hallelujah. He's not that much. He is a, a bit younger than me. Uh, no, I felt, I felt pretty bad, man. Yeah, my wife pointed out, wow. They're closer in age to my kids than to me. What is happening? What is happening? I just, I, I said, I, we were talking the other day at dinner, and I'm like, yeah, I graduated in 2004, and Jazz was like, I was three. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I couldn't believe it. So uh, I feel for some of our senior saints, I'm beginning to feel your pain, but uh, pray for your pastor. This... Uh, I'm approaching 40, you guys. Wow. All right, all right, let's move on. We're going to disciple sons and daughters. You see that Moses, Moses did a good job with this. In Numbers chapter 11, you see one instance, verse 16, it says, the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men, elders of Israel. You see, what was going on is Moses was like mediating between all of these decisions and disputes and uh, all this kind of stuff. Everybody in the nation was coming to him for counsel. And Jethro, his father-in-law, is like, this is going to kill you. Reproduce yourself. And so it says this, uh, gather 70 men of Israel whom you know to be elders of the people, officers over them, bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and I will talk with you there. Interesting. They're going to watch, they're going to watch Moses talk with God. I will take the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them. They will bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. What's going on? He's reproducing what God had put on him in others. This is why our church makes a big deal out of bestowals. This is why every pastor within Kings has Dr. Morocco himself lay hands. Why? Because he believes that the same anointing God has placed upon him is being 
reproduced. It's being released in these who he's bestowing. We go through the same process as ministers, where a pastor will lay hands on them and believe the same anointing that is upon them will be released. We need to be intentional about this. This is not just for pastors and ministers, friend. This is not just for people who are called into full-time ministry. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 4.15, Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ... I, this is Paul speaking, I have begotten you. I've given birth to you through the gospel. Hear this. Paul is saying, I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just talking. Hear my wisdom. Hear about me to my own horn. No, he says, my preaching of the gospel has birthed sons and daughters. It has birth. I have begotten you through the gospel. And so here's the deal. We're about to launch a bunch of life groups. Some of you have come even recently. How do I get in ministry? How could I become a minister? Some of you are getting ready to go out and you're going to go into your mission field and you're going to do. Listen to me. The world does not need more talking heads. We need some fathers and we need some mothers who are saying, if I'm going to do anything with my preaching, I'm going to birth sons and daughters. I'm going to birth sons. You say, well, what does that look? What is discipleship? I'll tell you what discipleship is. Can I just tell you, in this Western world, we have very much messed up this teaching process. We've messed it up. We think you're going to go to medical school. Well, I'm going to start going to school when I'm six years old, and I'm going to graduate at 18 years old, and then i got to go do another eight years of school. Uh, uh, I mean, you're talking like 18 years of school, 18 years of teaching, 18 years of learning, and there's some value to that, I understand. But then we go in, now Now you're going to intern. You're going to shadow a doctor. You're going to watch the nurse. You're going to be, a, uh, you know, you're going to observe the surgery. And then the last step in the process is now uh, you can do it. So, so they, they are taught. They're learning. Then they are watching. And then they are finally released to do the work. You guys checking with me so far? You want to know how Jesus did it? It was totally different. Jesus would gather together these teenagers. You realize most of the disciples were between 15 and 18 years old? Peter was the only one older than that. Search, I mean, do Google. Every theologian, no matter what their background, agrees. Jesus was essentially leading a youth ministry with one adult helper. That's why I value youth conference. These aren't just like, you know, little kids that we're going to just, you know, play water games a day with. You know, no, this is like, no, we're going to raise up the next John the Revelator. We're going to raise up like mighty revivalists and evangelists out of these guys. Sons and daughters. All right. So we, uh, <laughs> I'm getting too excited about this, man. So back on the, how did Jesus do things? You know what Jesus did? He says, follow me. And watch me. Watch what I do. Watch me preach the gospel. Watch me lay hands on lepers. Watch me lay hands on sick people. Watch me cast out devils. Watch what I do. Step number two. Luke 10. 
You go. You do it. But I just got the devil cast out of me last week. That's fine. Go do it. You go do it. You go tell people what I've done for you. You go lay hands on sick people. You go cast out devils. And we talked about it last week, didn't we? They came back and they're like, Jesus, even demons are subject to us in your name. He's like, I told you, right? Like, duh. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But then he says this. Watch what he does. He's like, you want to know why it worked? Do you want to know why it worked? Because your names are written in heaven. What is he doing? He's teaching them. It's totally backwards from the way we do it. We teach for 18 years, then watch me do it, and then now you go do it. That's not how Jesus did. He's watch me do it, now you go do it, and then I'm going to teach you. Why did this work? Well, let me teach you the theology behind it. You're seated with me in heavenly places. That's why you have authority. There's another opportunity. There's another moment. They go and they try and cast a demon out of a kid. It doesn't work. And Jesus comes. Well, let me tell you why it didn't work. Teaching them. This kind, prayer and fasting. And some only by prayer. He would teach them. See, we get this so backwards. That's why, I'm telling you, some of you have been in this church two weeks. And already somebody's coming to you and saying, will you help me be an usher in this church? Will you be a greeter in this church? Why do we do that? Well, listen, I don't even know if you're saved yet. But we can get you doing something for Jesus. And we'll teach you along the way. That's how this works. That's how Jesus did it. I could hang on this for a long time. It drives me crazy. Well, you need to go through three years of discipleship. And when you have a degree, then we'll let you lead a Bible study. No way. We're not doing that. Jesus. Oh, I need to move on. Okay. Let me give you one more. This man with a legion of demons... Jesus shows up, casts out 2,000 demons. I mean, this guy was a mess, cutting himself, streaking through the town. I mean, living in chains and all of this. Jesus comes, casts the devil out of him, and then he says, Jesus, can I come with you? Can I be one of your disciples? And Jesus says, no. Why? He says, I want you to Go tell everybody about what I've done for you. What is that? What's that? Go do the stuff. Just go do it. I'll teach you. I'll teach you later on. And he sure did, man. That Decapolis, those ten cities, is where Paul experienced his greatest revival. Do you know that? Blaze the trail by one man who'd been delivered of demons and sent into evangelism the same day. All right. I'm going to move on. So, Moses did this. Moses reproduced himself in spiritual sons. He discipled sons and daughters. So what are we going to do? We're going to disciple. All right, let's try that again. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? We are going to. That's right. Now, notice verse 10. I need to give you the second one, and I need to not dawdle as much as I was on that first. Do you know what dawdle is? I'll stop goofing around. All right. Number two, you notice in verse 10, it says, they did not know the Lord. Number two, I want you to write this down. Ascend the mountain. Ascend the mountain. What in the world is that talking about? Well, there was a moment 
where the glory of God came down upon the mountain. Moses was walking with the children of Israel, and they, uh, they were afraid. God said, I want you to come up here. I'm going to give you some instruction in how to do this whole deal. And the Bible says, Exodus 20 and verse 18, Now all the people witnessed the thundering and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. So you see, we pray like, God, show me your glory. I want the glory. Friend, when the glory shows up, it, it'll freak you out. God is so much bigger than you can imagine, and when the weight of his presence comes, you're like, I need to get out of here. Like, and that's exactly what was going on here. And so they trembled, and they stood afar off, and they said, Moses, uh, you go talk to him. We'll listen to you. Don't let God talk to us lest we die. You ever felt like that in the presence of God? Like, I'm not going to say or do anything because I might get struck dead right now. And that's what was going on here. Moses said, don't be afraid. God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness of where God, where God was. He was modeling for them what a relationship with God looked like. Not just... I have the stone tablets, let's do the religious stuff. No, what does it look like for a man to go into the cloud? What does it look like for a man to speak to God face to face, mouth to mouth? What does that look like? Are we willing to ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, there's other people that are more spiritual than I am. I leave that to my wife. No. No. One of the earnest prayers of my heart as I was preparing this message, guys, I had a praying mama, and I'm thankful for my praying mama. I am sure many of you are here today. You're saved because you had a praying mama. I want to start hearing some stories about some praying papas. I want to begin to hear some stories about my dad was a man of prayer. He was a man of conviction. He modeled what a relationship with God looks like. When I needed the devil broke off of my life, I called my dad. When I, when I wanted to know how do I worship, how do I pray, how do I go after God, I look at what my dad did. We need this. I want to be this for my kids. I want you to be this for spiritual sons. And I'm not saying, ladies, you're off the hook. Let's all do it. Let's all do it. I grew up in a church where there's only women leading everything except for the guy at the top. And I love it. My wife is a pastor. Pastor Melani here is one of my favorite women on the planet. She's a women pastor. We believe in women leaders and women pastors. But would be to God we'd have some men. Some fathers who would rise up and say, I'm going to lead my home. I'm going to take a Timothy under my wings. I'm going to pour into some spiritual orphans. That's what Moses did. He modeled for them what a, what a lot. I'm going to ascend the mountain. I'm going to go into the presence of God. I'm telling you, church, the greatest legacy you can leave your children, the greatest inheritance you can leave your children, how to pursue Jesus, how to love, how to hear from God.
I was so blessed the other day. My son, he's just having a day. And he goes, God, where are you? God, I'm frustrated. Does anybody else ever have days like that? I, I have days like that. And so we were talking with him and bringing some correction in some areas that were needed. But what Gabriel ended up doing, he goes into his room. He spends some time in prayer. And he comes back out about uh, 30 minutes later. And he begins to tell my wife and I, I asked God this. And I felt the Lord speak to me. I heard this song. God began to speak to me, began to show me, yes, this hurt when this person left, but look what I brought into your life. And he begins to share one thing after another, after another, what God himself, not what dad spoke to him, not what he learned in Sunday school, no, what God himself was speaking straight to his heart. I look over as I'm, I'm being stirred. I look over, my wife is just crying, sitting there next to me. Why? He's not walking just in the instruction, in the religion of his dad. He knows Jesus, and he hears from Jesus. This is where they lost it. These guys knew the traditions, but they didn't know God. They didn't know him. You want to know why? You want to know what keeps Pastor Jacob from committing adultery? It's not because my wife would leave me, because she wouldn't. She would murder me. But that is not the reason Pastor Jacob doesn't commit adultery. That's not the reason. You want to know what keeps Pastor Jacob from stealing funds from the church? It's not because Dr. Morocco would kill me, even though he would. Praise God. He, he probably would. And, uh, but I mean, you, you just pick your sin. Why do I not live that way? It has nothing to do with who I'm accountable to has nothing to do with the people in my, little to do. I won't say nothing. It has little to do with that. And all those measures are fine. But at the end of the day, when nobody's watching, I'm aware. Holy Spirit, you are with me. You are on me. You are in me. And I don't want to do anything that would forfeit the anointing that would forsake, that would cause you to say, I can't, I can't be with you if you're going to do that. I can't be on you if you're going to act that way, if you're going to say those things. I, I so cherish the presence of God. I so value my relationship. It's not a religious thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not the rules that I need to follow. Well, I've signed this covenant when I became a member of the church. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, I love you, Lord. I love your presence. I love your anointing. And I don't ever want to lose it. Do you walk like that? Do you walk like that? Moses modeled that for his son Joshua. And for the elders who are around him, this is what it looks like to be intimate with God. And here's the last one. They did not see the Lord. They did not know the Lord. Nor did they know the work he had done for Israel, verse 10. They did not know the work. So here's the, here's the third thing. I want you to write this down. Number three, Moses learned to demonstrate the power of God. Everybody say demonstrate. He learned to demonstrate 
the power of God. Moses didn't just, I mean, you think about the miracle life this man led. He heard the voice of the Lord. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. And he goes in and all of a sudden miracles begin to follow this guy. I mean, rivers of blood, frogs. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. You guys know. Pestilence, famine, darkness in the land, on and on. And then, and then it didn't stop there. They get out of Egypt. I mean, uh, the sea splits open. They walk across on dry ground. A pillar of fire comes down to stop Pharaoh's army. I mean, this was a miracle-working dude. I mean, it was amazing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're hungry, Moses. Manna from heaven. We're thirsty, Moses. Water from a rock. I mean, this, this man walked in the miraculous. But here's what's so, so awesome. In Deuteronomy 34, Joshua, his son. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun. Now let me just pause right there. Nun is an actual place. But I think there's a prophetic significance in that. And this isn't theology right now, but this is prophetic. I find it so fitting. Joshua was not Moses' blood son. He was the son of none. No father. But here's a man of God who takes him under his wing. And I'll take what's in me and put it in you, Joshua. I just wonder if there's any sons of none some daughters of none who are sitting in our midst, who are just waiting for a Moses to come along and say, I know Jesus. I know his power. I know his call. And I'll pour my life into you. Joshua, the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded him as the Lord had commanded Moses. The same anointing on Moses was placed upon Joshua. And then in Joshua chapter 5, I love this. He begins now. He's taken leadership, and he's about to lead them into the promised land. Joshua 5, 7, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Get ready. Tomorrow the Lord will will do wonders among you. Joshua spoke to the priest, take the ark of the covenant, cross before the people. So they took the ark, they went before the people, and the Lord said, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know what's happening? There is a the same miracle-working anointing that was upon Moses. God's saying, it's upon you, Joshua, and I'm about to show everybody. They begin walking towards the Jordan River. On the other side is their prophetic destiny. And the moment his foot hits that water, the Bible says that it split the Jordan River. Amazing. God began to demonstrate the same miracle-working power through a son. Oh, my. Got an awesome call the other day. I'm just bragging on my kids. We were sitting in a conference with Pastor Josh and Pastor Shannon, and, and we get a call. Dad, someone just manifested demons outside of the youth service. I'm like, amen. Are you guys okay? Like, I didn't know. They've seen Daddy cast out demons, but they, they didn't run away. They got a leader, which is good, covering. But they cast the devil 
How did this guy? Standing right out here. He said, people from the sushi shop were watching us, but no, it all worked out. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, that is awesome. That is awesome. We're raising up young people. We're raising up Joshua's in the house who know. I watch mom and dad lay hands on sick people and see, but I can do it too. I've watched them cast out devils, but I can do it too. I've watched our evangelism groups go out, not just Bible school students. I can do that too. Sons and daughters. That's our kids. Wow. Kyle, come. If you don't start playing the piano, I'm never going to stop. So we're going to demonstrate the power of God. We're going to demonstrate the power of God. So just to review, we're going to be intentional to disciple sons and daughters. Everybody say disciple. We're going to be a people who ascend the mountain. I'm going to demonstrate what it is to, to pursue, to go after God, to have a relationship with him. Everybody say ascend. And, and lastly, we're going to demonstrate the power of God. Everybody say demonstrate. So if you disciple, ascend, and demonstrate, what do we end up with? Go ahead and bring that up on the screen. They're not paying attention. Dad, dad, we're going to demonstrate, we're going to ascend. We're gonna, I'm going to pray today for a dad anointing to come upon us. I want you to stand all across this room right now. Wow. Hallelujah. Isn't God so good? Guys, I, I say unashamedly, I am where I am today. Having done the things that I've done. Because I've had fathers in my life. I've had fathers in my life. It began with names that you'd never know. Was my life group leader in young adults ministry. Being a mom, being a dad in my life. And that's you. That's you. Not only are you going to be amazing dads to the kids that God trusts you with in your own home, but there's a lot of orphans out there, friend. There's a lot of fatherless sons and daughters out there who are desperately looking is there anybody who'd be a dad to me what I want to do today I want to pray for every man in the room who's over the age of 18 some of you are fathers some of you aren't yet some of you have no desire to be, but you'll be spiritual fathers. But I want to pray for every man over the age of 18. I want you to come down to this front right now. And we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to bless you. He's going to anoint you as a father. Yeah, come on. Yeah, just come close. I know we have a lot, and we'll probably have to make two rows here. Because in a moment, I'm going I'm to ask some, some people to come right up behind you. You guys just come up close here. Come up close, as close as we can. And even if we need to go on the other side of the pillar there, but we'll make room for everybody. Come on, we got some dads. We got some future. We even got dads carrying their babies right now. I love it. You're going to be some disciple makers. You're going to be people with a relationship with the Lord that people look at and say, I want to know Jesus like that. You're going to be a people with authority to demonstrate what God has done, what God can do through your lives. 
Now, I want some of you here today, your dad is down here in the altars. Maybe your spiritual dad is down here in the altars. What I'm going to ask is if you're a son or a daughter, a spiritual son or daughter, or maybe you don't have that, but you're like, I could pray for a dad because I want everybody to have somebody with them. I want you to, I want everybody, I want others to just begin to come right now. Put your hand on your dad. Come on. Even wives, you can come too. You can come and just put a hand on, on somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just come. Come. I'm going to need some more. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe your dad isn't here, but adopt a dad right now, okay? Adopt a dad. So I want you to come. We've got some right here, right up front, who need, need somebody. So would you come? Yeah, there we go. There we go. And we're going to pray for a precious anointing to be released upon all the men in this house. All the fathers, all the fathers-to-be, all the spiritual fathers in this place. Hallelujah. If you're not down here praying for somebody, would you just stretch your hands down, out towards these who are receiving prayer right now? And let's just begin to pray. I want you to begin to bless that father that's in front of you right now. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. Jesus, your word says that you are the everlasting father. And God, I'm praying that the very same anointing that we see through Scripture, the way you discipled your spiritual sons, the disciples, the way Moses poured into Joshua and those elders, Lord, the way Paul was to Timothy, that Elijah was to Elisha, the way David was to Solomon, and on and on and on and on. Lord, I'm asking that a father anointing would be released in this place today. That, Lord, we would be a people who, who disciple, who are willing to to take in, whether it's to love on our own children or to receive into our lives those who don't have spiritual moms or dads or earthly moms or dads. Lord, give us a vision for who you would have us to, to care for and to love on and to disciple, Lord. God, I'm asking that, that, that ascent of the hill of the Lord, that Lord, you would draw each and every father into an intimate place. I rejoice in praying mamas, but I'm praying you would raise up some praying fathers even here today put upon us Lord a hunger and a yearning to meet with you and to know who you are and Lord to model for sons and daughters oh what it is to pursue the face of almighty God Lord I'm praying that you would undo us with power today oh Lord that there would be a power anointing that God when when our when kids around us when families around us need the devil broke off of their life or healing released Almighty God, or the authority, the power to preach the gospel, I'm asking, Mighty God, that you would empower these mighty men of God with everything that is in you, everything that is in your spirit, God. Anoint these men of God. Empower them, Lord, for your glory and your name's sake. Now, I have one other important thing to do right now. Everybody look this way. There was a moment when Moses laid his hands on Joshua and laid his hands on those 70 elders. And there was anointing that came from a father into his sons. 
And you just received prayer from, from some sons and daughters who came up along beside you. But what I'm going to ask right now is for your fathers, I want you to turn around. I don't know who is praying for you. You may know them. You may not. But I'm going to pray. And fathers... I'm going to ask you to bless some sons. It may be your wife. It may be your kids. But I'm going to ask you. Come on. I want you. Men, you're the prayer team right now. Come on. I want you to pray. You just begin to bless that person who's right nearby. You're right. Come on. Put your hands on them and you bless them right now. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. God, there's an anointing that you release through fathers into their spiritual sons and daughters even over their household, over their spouses, oh God. And I'm praying now, Lord, for a precious Father's anointing to be released in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would work miracles. Lord, that you would hear our cry, that you would heed our prayers, that you would move and you would minister through these spiritual fathers right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you hear our prayers and you heed the blessing of the Father. There's a precious anointing that comes from a Father. And God, I'm asking right now for the Father's heart to be released over sons and daughters in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.